please pay for it. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Did you sleep well last night? Anybody had a godly dream last night? Visitation of angels or such? Yeah. <laughs> well, our God is a God of miracles. He is, most certainly. So today my wife is going to be speaking like, uh, like yesterday. And I'm sure that the Lord has put something on her heart that is uh, going to be great for us. So, over to you. All right. I'm just going to stand here. Okay. <laughs> You're cute. No. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to be with you this afternoon. And, um, okay, and see what all that God is doing. And uh, tonight, no, afternoon, yes. Um, I'm going to share about um, one of, perhaps one of the most important portions of scripture. And one of the areas that we don't pay so much attention in life, and yet scripture tells us it is salvation and this, above all things, is more important than anything else. And um, because we are living, and we know that, in tremendous persecution. But the persecution we live in in this part of the world is for a persecution for lukewarmness. Where the devil is targeting our passion, our love for God, first love. And he is actively going after um, lukewarmness in our hearts. He knows if he gets look, us to go lukewarm... That's it. I mean, Jesus said in Revelation, if you are lukewarm, I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth, which sounds pretty bad. And so our goal is, my goal is never to find out what that means for myself and to help as many as I can never to find out because that is really bad. We don't want to get to that place to be lukewarm, for I have this against you, you have lost your first love. For I know all your deeds and everything that you do, but, but, this is the problem with you. That you are not hot or cold, you are lukewarm, therefore I'll spit you out of my mouth. The devil knows the importance of those words. He knows if he gets us lukewarm, he can take everything, he can still kill and destroy very easily. Because we will not be persevering. We will give up easily. We will just, you know, compromise. We will let go of the promises of God, of Scripture, of relationship with Him, of fellowship with each other. It is lukewarmness that causes people not to come to church. And 
live that and not be in fellowship with each other. It is the scriptural, the three areas of greatest attack from the devil in the kingdom of God are reading the Bible, praying, and going to church. Those three areas, he insists, he attacks, he targets those three areas because they are extremely important and foundational. And the scripture tells us about it, teaches us about it, and how important it is. And he knows if he hits those areas, he can then start destroying. Because these are things that are very important to God. He established them. They are important to our Father. And we don't like to be told what to do, but the Bible tells us what to do. And so... But seeing the spirit of the world is spirit of rebellion. But we need to be careful with this, with these areas, because, again, that is lukewarmness, lukewarmness, lukewarmness. So we have to be vigilant about this. How can you expect God to use you if you are lukewarm? How can you expect God's blessings to fall upon you if you are lukewarm? How can you expect revival if you are lukewarm? How can you expect victory if you are lukewarm? How can you expect to see those promises of God and prophecies fulfilled if you are lukewarm? It will not happen. But when you are lukewarm, you don't think that way. And you still expect it to come, and God has to do it. The entitlement gets in there. And all these things, anyway, the devil is after that. That's the persecution we need to be so vigilant about. And the one thing that is, the main thing, the one thing, 100%, that will give you complete and absolute security in lukewarmness Victory over that, that will make sure is a fact that you will never, no matter what happens and you go through, will never, ever, ever, ever be lukewarm, is in Proverbs 4.23. Above all things, above all things, more important than anything else, above all things, guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart. Because that is what determines the route your life is going to take. You see, and the traditional version say, because out of that flow all the issues of life. Everything in your life comes from your heart. Every situation, everything. But the New Living reads, for because... That is what determines the route your life is going to take. It's your heart. See, the direction of your life doesn't come from knowing, doesn't come from the head, doesn't come from your mind. It comes from your heart. You know, decisions are made in your heart, not in your head. And that is a very powerful thing. Decisions are made in the heart. Whatever is in your heart is what determines the decision you will make. That's why sometimes you purpose in your mind not to do something, but you keep doing it because your heart is the one that determines what you do, not your head. You see that it's in the heart. The heart is the source of it. Out of the heart come all evils. Out of the heart come the temptations. You know, and 
So that's what the scripture tells us. So it is the heart. Guard your heart. You can have a thousand promises from God. Unless you guard your heart, you will never walk them or live them. You see, if your heart is contaminated, it will not happen. And that's why scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart. Not the perfect in heart. It's not about perfection. The pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, if we learn to guard our hearts, you are guaranteed 100%. You will not be lukewarmness, but even more than that, you will walk into the fullness of freedom of the cross. That is the key to freedom, is guard your heart. You see, and I will show it to you scripturally in a minute. And this is so powerful. I'm trying to summarize about three sessions this afternoon of a conference. Because this is so deep, so powerful, and so incredible that if we get, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the revelation, and bring the application into action, the breakthroughs will happen. Everything will change in our lives. And there will be acceleration. And things will happen faster and faster because it is God's will to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. So, but we need to participate. Guard your heart above all things. That determines the route your mind is going to take. That is for years and years and years. I used to hear that, guard your heart, guard your heart. It sounds very abstract. You know, you go home and say, well, what do you do? Guard your heart, yes? And okay, guard your heart, guard your heart. And see, so I'm going to try and unpack this in a short time. And um, because I, I'm not a preacher, I can preach. And I preach many times, and if I have to preach, I preach. But I'm actually a trainer and an equipper in the kingdom of God, which means my job is to give you the illustration of the world, uh, to give you the uh, to give you the word, you know, the the instruction of the word, the illustration of the word, and the application of the word. Which means my job is not complete until I put feet on it, and you can walk it as you walk out this door. Otherwise, uh, that was a nice sermon, sounded good, but that's it. If you don't have feet, you cannot walk. So I'm going to try and put feet on this very controversial, some controversial topics in here, but also some very, very deep foundational things that are easy to do. Because guard your heart. See, the only way to guard your heart, and the only way we say guard your heart, we don't know what that means really. We don't know what to do. Guard your heart. And then, but we have to do it. So there we are. And, but guard your heart. We need to understand how we work. And the scripture connects all the dots. That, you know, the only way, if you want to guard your heart, the only way to guard your heart is to guard your mind. You have to guard your thoughts. You see, your thoughts fill your heart. That is a very important thing. You see, your thoughts guard your heart. So whatever you think drips into your heart. 
it just goes from the head to the heart. It's like this, um, try this amazing, you know, connection. This um, square thing, because it has these four points. It goes from the mind to the heart. Whatever you think fills your heart. Once it reaches your heart, it becomes an emotion. You see, your heart, and we will see that in the scripture in a minute, your heart is the emotional center of your life. It flows, all emotions are forming your heart. So, but, so it comes, the thought fills your heart. The heart processes it and releases an emotion. Once it becomes an emotion, it becomes an action or a word. It gets released, emotions get released as actions or words, which is also an action, but behavior, behavior or words. You see, it becomes a behavior, it becomes an action, it becomes a word. And so, that is what the problem is, that it has results in our lifestyle and everything we say and we do. So, you, it all starts and with the mind, and the Bible tells us very, very clearly, we have to renew our minds, we have to guard your minds, we have to renew our thoughts and all of that. And so, because it is so important, whatever you are thinking is what is filling your heart. So if your thoughts are good, it fills your heart with good thoughts, you have good emotions, you have good behavior, you have say good, your words are good. It all flows from the heart. Your decisions are good. You will be safe, and people around you are safe. Your relationship with God is safe. You walk in purity. All kinds of wonderful things happen. You become a greater investment in the kingdom of God, and God will release you more and give and bless you and prosper you. But if they are not good, if you are filled with negative thoughts, critical thoughts, your heart is filled with that. And the rest manifests in your lifestyle and the fruit of your life. What's the fruit of your life? So we all deal with this. No one can throw the first stone. The good news is that no matter what I say today, there is no condemnation at all. So I want you to establish that there is no condemnation. There is transformation. There is freedom. There is restoration. But there is no condemnation in anything. I will say because that's unscriptural. No condemnation if you are in Christ. So that's the great news we have. So here we are. You see, Adam and Eve, we see all the devil had to do with Eve was put a thought in her mind. Just a thought. Everything in life starts with a thought. And so it is, the problem is we don't have a gate in our mind. And by the end of this afternoon, I'll give you a gate to put on in your mind. To guard your heart, you need a gate in your mind. But it is, you know, the, the thought. The devil just put a thought in her mind. She knew what God said. And that's what we do. How come if I know, I do this. I know better. I know better. I know better. But I'm do I do better. 
And that is what happened to Eve. She knew better. God himself taught her. And she still did it because she entertained the thought. See, the moment the thought, you choose to entertain it, it goes into your heart. The moment you entertain it and you start thinking about it, it drops into your heart. That's why the Bible says meditate in the word of God, meditating his promises, because what you think fills your heart. It is bigger than we think, more powerful than we think. So she entertained it. She engaged with a thought. She gave it life. Thoughts have no life until you give it to them. And so she gave it life. It made this way to her heart. It became an emotion. Wow. She could feel it. She would be like God. Even though she knew better. So the moment it becomes an emotion, it controls you. Emotions control behavior. Emotions control. So it controlled, and it controlled her. That's what cravings do. It's so easy to overcome a craving when you know how it works. That the first thing, thought of chocolate cake comes into your mind. You can entertain it or not. If you entertain it, it drops into your heart. The moment it goes to your heart, it becomes an emotion. The craving to eat it, the chocolate cake, it pulls, you feel it because it becomes an emotion. You feel it, you want it. And you can only resist it for so long. That's why people don't overcome cravings or addictions because they entertain it, they feed it inside, they give it life by thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And you will, 50 pounds later, you're saying, what's wrong? And you try to blame the devil for the chocolate cake. No, it's you, it's me. That's how it works. That's why it, we keep going back like a dog to his vomit. And this, this actually fixes all of that. Like this is really powerful. This will fix everything in life. Guard your heart. So, guard your thoughts. So that you stop them because they drop in, before they drop into your heart. And we'll talk about what to do if they do drop into your heart, but we can prevent it when we know before it becomes an emotion. That's why Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. This is the reason, you see? Because if you don't guard your heart, it doesn't matter how much you know between right and wrong. If you don't guard your heart, you will not have control of it. It will control you. So, easy. You see? It sounds easy right now. But it's easy when we know how to do these things. We have to guard our thoughts. Guard your mind above all things. You see, because the thing is with the heart. The heart has a mind of its own. So to speak, the Bible says... In Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Not as a man thinks in his head, as he thinks in his heart, because your heart thinks. 
The heart is a powerful thing. You see, the heart thinks. First, your mind thinks, oh yeah, that thought, and you process the thought, drops into the heart. Then the heart grabs it and thinks about it. The heart thinks. Becomes emotion, and then you are that, you do it. That if you think rejection, you will be rejection, you will carry it and do it. As a man thinks in his heart, from the head to the heart, then the heart begins to think. Nobody loves me, nobody cares, I'm a failure, I'm this, I'm that. And the emotion is there, and you live it. Your act becomes your behavior, your personality, and your words. Because out of what's in the heart, the mouth speaks, not what is in the head, but is in the heart. Your tongue is not connected to your mind, it's connected to your heart. And we will see that in a minute. The Bible connects the tongue to the heart, not to the head. So, really important, powerful, amazing. So, what do you think? Guard your heart so that, your heart, so that it will think good things. Renew your mind. Renew your mind, guard your heart. When you renew your mind, you guard your heart. So that connection is extremely important. So, <clears throat> as a man thinks in his heart, because the mind, the heart thinks, the heart feels. You see, the heart is powerful. Out of the heart, Matthew 59, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slander. You see, all sin comes from the heart, not from the head. That's why you know better, but you keep doing th wrong things. Because it flows from the heart, everything. The mind, like I said, is the control center of our lives, releases emotions, shapes our will, and everything in our lives, everything flows from the heart. The heart feels, you know, a broken heart. The Bible talks about a broken heart, and a broken heart because the heart hurts, the heart breaks. The heart can be glad. The heart rejoices. A happy heart is good medicine. The Bible says, you see, a happy heart, the heart can be kind, the heart can be angry. And you say, well, you know, I want to be kind, I want to be loving, I want to treat people well, but it's not happening. You keep fighting, you keep yelling, you keep cursing, you see, and you keep losing your temper. And the reason is, in your head, you know better, but your heart is, doesn't know it yet because you keep thinking angry thoughts. You entertain anger in your mind. The thoughts of anger are filling your heart. And then that's why the Bible says, the meditation of your heart and the words of your mouth be pleasing to the Lord. You see, it's what you think that comes out. So if you are still thinking with judgment and anger and, and forgiveness or bitterness or resentment or criticism, it doesn't matter what your intentions don't make a difference. You have had all, can have all the great intentions in the world. You will keep doing the same thing. You will be in bondage forever. You will be in bondage, in bondage, in bondage because of that. So 
You see, your heart can be angry, an angry heart is a very, really dangerous thing to have. And never mind when that happens, you know, to your health. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, the heart can be wise or foolish. And it's up to you. What are you putting in your heart? See, you are the keeper of your heart. You are the keeper of your mind. You are the keeper of your heart. And you can have a foolish heart or you can have a wise heart. And that is very, very important. Proverbs 10, 8. The wise of heart will receive commands, but the bubbling fool will be ruined. A wise of heart. Psalm 19, 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, a heart of wisdom is so powerful, so important. You can have all the IQ levels in the world, have the highest IQ levels, and have a foolish heart. Even though you can be one of the smartest people in the world, but if you have a, a foolish heart, you will make the worst decisions of life and ruin your life, even though you will be so smart and have all the potential in the world. And a thousand degrees, intellectual degrees, it makes no difference. It's the wisdom of the heart, which is the wisdom of God. But it's the wisdom of the heart that we need. It changes everything, and then you have the smart and the wisdom of the heart. Now we're talking. You see, now big things happen, and God can use you to revolutionize anything and everything if you pair those two things. You may not have the highest IQ levels in the world, but if you are wise in heart, the wisdom of God surpasses the intellect of man. And you will make wiser decisions, choices, and even great advances in life because of a heart of wisdom, because the revelation of the Holy Spirit, it has more IQ than Einstein will ever have, the Holy Spirit. You see, he has all the smarts and everything, but you need a heart of wisdom for him to flow. And he will speak into your mind the great things and reveal them to you. That's what we need. The heart makes decisions. Second Corinthians 9 is saying, you must each do what you decide in your heart. You must give what your heart desires, as you desired in your heart, as you purpose in your heart, not in your head. You see, it's all in the heart. The heart decides, and we follow the decisions of the heart, not what we know in our head. I will keep repeating that because it's so simple but so powerful. When we know what is it that we are following, so we need to have in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the Lord. You know, and it is being a pure in heart. You can have a corrupt heart or a pure heart. If you have a pure heart, you will walk in intimacy with God. You will encounter him in all things. It's not how spiritual you are. It's the purity of the heart. That makes all the difference. A pure heart. And you will see him, encounter him. That's what it means. You will encounter him. You will recognize him. You will walk, you know, face to face with him. That doesn't mean that you are kind of, you may never say, I have seen him, but you are seeing him. Because your heart sees him. Your heart encounters him. That's what it means. And you will see the heart, hand of God in everything. You will find his hand. It doesn't matter 
the silver lining is, will, will always be there because you will see him even in the most difficult situations you will find the flowers in the wilderness you see but you have to be pure have purity of heart for these things otherwise you are always seeing negative destruction problems and you will never see the hope in front of you this is such a powerful scripture Matthew 12 33 and 35 a soul of this scripture <clears throat> either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. The tree in this scripture is the heart. In other scriptures, trees represent people. We know that from scripture. The man that said, I see, you know, when Jesus prayed for him, I see men like trees. And in Psalm, two, uh, Psalm 1, 1, 2, and 3, when it talks about the tree planted by the streams of water, is referring to people. In this scripture, trees, uh, the tree is referring to the heart. And it says, make the tree good, the tree good, and the fruit will be good, the tree bad, and the fruit will be bad. That's your heart. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speak out of, what, of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of the good treasure, that's the heart, what is good and the evil man <clears throat> brings what out of his evil treasure what is evil. You see, out, because out of the heart the mouth speaks. So that's how we know that the tree and the treasure in this scripture are the heart. So that is what controls it all. If the heart is not good, you can try all you want, go to all the inner healing in the world to change, it will not change. You have to renew your mind to change your heart, to guard your heart. So, that is really good. That's great, now we know how to guard the heart. How important it is to guard the heart because the heart is so powerful and is the control center of everything and all of these things and now we know how alive our heart is and all it does. And that's why the devil targets it so much. Because that is where everything depends on that. That is what causes you to walk out of a marriage or not, to walk away from God, to lose a job, to gain a job, to have favor, to lose favor. All kinds of things, to lose relationships and you know, to prosper and all of that in life is your heart. But now... Let's move on to, you know, that now we know scripturally to guard your heart, renew your mind. So now we go to the, the second step, renew your mind. How do we do this in an effective, practical way when we are living, you know, surrounded by temptations of all kinds, emotional, spiritual, physical temptations around us all the time and we live in a fallen world so but we have to uh, this is not an option for us if you want to have a victorious life if you want the breakthroughs and you are here because you are hungry and this is a church that brings <clears throat> the truth of God and <clears throat> we need truth we don't want just people's ideas or doctrines <clears throat> excuse me that sound good we want the 
undiluted gospel. And I know this house really brings the undiluted gospel and scripture. And that's what we are talking about. I love the undiluted gospel. And so in Ephesians 4, 22 and 23, we see now how we renew our minds. So it's very easy to, you know, yeah, renew your mind, but nothing is changing. We keep going in cycles and cycles and cycles. Behaviors don't change because the minds are not renewed. You see, that freedom Jesus paid for so badly at the cross, so horribly at the cross, is only attainable when we do this. It's possible, and yes, he paid the price, so, but this is the thing. Ephesians 4.22, throw off, throw away your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your mind and attitudes. Let the Spirit, you cannot renew your mind, but the Holy Spirit will do it with you and for you if you make the right choices. So let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I so love this scripture. I meditate in it. It excites me so much. This scripture is just a source of life and everything. I mean, there is not one of few scriptures that have this amazing power. It's this one. Because here, Paul is teaching us about how to become the new creation. And you see, there is this doctrine that goes around saying we're all a new creation everything is past, you are new you're a new creation, it's over, you're a new creation and you see in principle, yes there is truth to that, of course but it's not quite that simple because if it were like that this scripture would not exist Paul is talking to us after the cross after salvation, he's talking to born again people here and he is saying both things are still are active at the same time. We are a new creation and all the old things are passed in the spirit. See, the spirit is that what your new creation is in your spirit. You, when you get saved, your spirit is like Christ. The likeness of Christ is in your spirit. It became new, it came to life, and it's completely, the new man is the spirit. The spirit man, as they call it, is your spirit. It's perfect. The likeness of Christ is in there. All the qualities of Jesus, of Christ, are in your spirit. It's made fully to be like him. It's like God, your spirit is like him. It's amazing. The spirit, and it's perfect. Because it is, it has the new nature, the new creation, the Christ creation is in your, in your spirit. That is wonderful. The deep problem is the old nature. The old nature is in your soul. Your behaviors, your attitudes, your thoughts.
That is the old nature. When you get saved, your soul doesn't become a new creation. It's your spirit. That's why we go to heaven, with, even with our imperfections in our soul and behaviors. But the, your soul is not. Your soul still carries the old nature. You still have a lot of wrong, the thoughts you had before, attitudes, behaviors, struggles, sin, lusts, and corruption. We still are dealing with it. You see, that's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not about the is that that is the transfer of the salvation, that salvation, that perfect creation in our spirit coming into our soul, coming into our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's our soul. Your soul is what you think, what you feel, and what you want. That's your soul. That is what holds the old nature still. So you are a new creation wearing the old nature still, carrying the old nature in you. And see, if you already were 100% new creation, you will think like Christ, you will act like him. You will be walking in freedom and perfection. So, but we are not there. But it's easy to get there. That's the good news for all of us. Because scripture makes a way. We just have to want to do it and apply it. And so we are, and in the old nature is in our soul, our behavior, our thinking patterns. We talked last night about our train of thoughts. That's our, all our old nature. That doesn't change the moment you get saved. You're still dealing with rejection. You're still dealing with fears. You're still dealing with insecurities, with angers. That's all all, all nature. And that's why Paul here separates them like this, but he makes it very clear that the only thing that takes you from the, to, makes you get rid of the old nature is the renewing of your mind. That's how you make the transition, is the renewing of your mind. When you do renew your mind, it says in here, you get, get rid of that old nature by allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. That is the key. That's the freedom. That's all we need. And because that new nature, the new creation is within us. Let me, I, I like to illustrate it like this. It is you have this closet, big closet. You have had all your clothes you have worn all your life is there. It's familiar. It's look old. You have been wearing it, but it's comfy. It fits you, right? And we like comfy clothing. And yeah, those old pants, but they, you know, I know I feel good in them. And we keep wearing the same things over and over and over. And your old closet has been there. It's your clothes. It's you, and you wear this, and you like it, and it's there. And you keep wearing it and wearing it. Then someone comes <clears throat> and gives you a brand new wardrobe to the quality of Kate Middleton's, the princess <laughs> of Wales, and you guys get Williams. Although I think he only has three suits, he always looks the same. 
<laughs> you know, but you know, and you get his, you guys get his closet, Prince William's wardrobe, and then we get Kate Middleton's. I mean, the most luxurious, more beautiful in the world, and brand new and breathtaking. And they give it to you as a gift, and they put it there in your home, side by side. But it is up to you which one to wear. The old clothes or the new clothes. It's up to you. And see, I like that Paul said, put on the new nature. Put it on. Wear it. That's a choice. You get to choose what you wear. And you see, your spirit is so beautiful and perfect. I saw actually once get up in my eyes to see a spirit within a person. And I have never found the words to describe what I saw. Because it is 100% the likeness of Christ. The Christ within your life. Flowing and moving is incredible. You see, but no one sees that. The people could go around seeing your spirit. Wow. Everybody would want to be like you. Nobody sees it because it is inside of you. That amazing wardrobe is hidden within you, but you have it. It's been given to you as a gift. Paul said, take it off, put it off, take it off. Put off, get rid of it, take off the old. Put on the new, bless you dear, put on the new. So it is because nature is wearable. People see it. They see it. See, your nature is your mindset, your behaviors, your actions. Who you are, how you are, how you live. That is your nature. So, people, what Paul is saying, put on the new. Put on that new creation. That the new that is within you, put it on. So, easy. To put a new jacket on, you have to take on the, off the one you're wearing, right? You don't put that jacket on top of another jacket. You take the old one off, you put the other one on. So that is the difference, new nature and old nature. We just have to see how much of me I'm still wearing the old nature. And then it's easy. It's actually easy because it, the new wardrobe has been given to you as a gift. So, let's say you are wearing, you know, impatience. And you are impatient. Or you are angry. Or you are rude. Well, impatience causes that often. You know, but you have that. And you are there, that's all nature. And makes you rude. And makes you unkind. And makes you, uh, you know, a bully or all kinds of things. People who are impatient usually are bullies. Because they try to push everybody and do, and they bully people to get things done. So there you are with that. But then you want to be like Christ. You want that new nature. You want the change. All you have to do is make the choice to take it off, stop to stop doing it. But instead, in the new wardrobe, this amazing new wardrobe, drop that you have been given as a gift. There's a garment there called patience. All you have to do is take off the patience, put on that patience. 
put on the new nature, the new wardrobe. It is there. So all you have to do is make the choice. There is patience within me because I have the nature of Christ in my spirit in me. So I want to be like him. So you make the choice. I'm going to stop acting like this. I'm going to start acting like this. But the only way you can do that is by renewing your mind in that area. Stop thinking impatient. Stop thinking bully. Stop thinking angry. And start thinking the fruit of patience, the kindness, gentleness, love, patience. It's okay. Renew your mind. That's what Paul said in there. The only way to change this old nature by the new creation is by allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind and your attitude. That's why renewing your mind is the only thing that guards your heart. So you renew your mind. The moment you renew your mind, I'm not going to do this anymore because Jesus is like this. I want this new nature. You pull it, you wear it, you start wearing it. Slowly, the more you choose it, the more you think it, you have to actively think according to the new creation, actively. Think about it. Then the old falls away and the new becomes part of you. That's where the transformation comes and the freedom comes. That is where you, that is the only thing that gives us victory over sin and temptation. When you do not go back like a dog to the vomit. You see, maybe, you know, you yell and you fight. So that means in that area you are still wearing the old nature, even though you are redeemed and you have a new creation in your spirit, but you are wearing the old nature. You haven't changed. So, no condemnation. In that new wardrobe, there's kindness. There is peace. You can choose it. That means stop thinking angry thoughts and fighting thoughts. Stop thinking argumentative thoughts. You see, always ready to put on the gloves, always ready. Stop being critical. Stop being critical. And then you stop and renew your mind by putting on the new. That means find the good, think positive, you know, and start thinking life, think solutions, think possibilities. Renew your mind according to what the Bible says in that area. And the old falls away and the new becomes part of you. See, that's the only way for the freedom. Is that tra that transformation from the old to the new. But it is a process for all of us in every single area. You want to be free from addictions, do this. This will bring make you free from sin and addictions. You see, the only reason why you keep going back to pornography is because you keep thinking pornography. And filling your heart with it becomes an emotion and turns into an action. You know, as we said at the beginning of the talk, that four-point connection. But if you stop thinking about it, you will be free from it.
because you will renew your mind to what is pure and good. Your heart will be cleansed from it, and your actions and behaviors will change. That's the, the change in the nature, all nature, the new creation. So it is a choice, my friends. That is what is called killing your flesh. That's it. It's not a spiritual term. It's a practical term. That's what is, you know, dying to self. That is the victory to what I don't want to do, I do. What I want to do, I don't do. This is how you change that. And you become the person that you really, really want to be, the nice person God wants you to be, and the next person he created you to be. The person that... It begins to reflect Jesus because the new creation, like we said, is, Paul said here, is, to, is exactly like him. And you become like him. So that's how we renew our mind. You see, daily, 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 so that we will be protected. Like I said at the beginning, we are my goal right now, as I'm talking to you, is not so much, yes, I can give you a thousand prophecies, but this will get you to the end of the race. The prophecies won't. Because you will not follow those prophecies if you don't, if you become lukewarm. You see, if you are lukewarm, you cannot overcome this persecution, and it's only going to increase. The Bible tells us that. And then, you will, be a, you will arrive safe, and Jesus will be waiting for you at the end. You will reach that goal. This is the only way to keep your eyes on him. You see, the puring heart, see God. This is about, above all things, guard your heart. See, it's not so difficult when we know the, the meaning and application of guard your heart and how to do it. So, guard your thoughts. Renew your mind, you guard your thoughts, then you guard your heart. What you think drips to your heart, and you make decisions from the heart, not from the head. Don't forget that. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple than that. If you are living according to the ways of the world, you may not be bluntly sinning out there, but you're lying or you are cheating at work or something, you are a bit of deception, or you are angry, you're losing your anger controls. You're being, be angry, but do not sin. You know, you let, no, don't let angry, anger control you. But you lose your temper. You are living according to the ways of the world. The spirit of the world is controlling you. You're living the same as the unbelievers. No difference. You're fighting. Same thing. So, do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That's the only thing, people. And we, that's the, one of the weakest areas in Christian life is protecting the mind. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Thoughts come and go as they want, and we entertain them all. There's a part in there. Anything, the more the merrier. And then we have them, and nobody pays attention to it. If because of that, our Christianity is not as it was in the book of Acts.
Our walk is not as the Bible wants it to be. Again, there is no condemnation. We are into transformation and freedom. We are going into more. So renew in the mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. For we have the mind of Christ. And you know, it is, yes, the Bible is true. The problem is understanding how to do this. You know, you, I see people praying, you know, and say, well, I'm okay, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ. I'm thinking, seriously, if you have the mind of Christ, we have no hope. Nobody will want Christ. You know, we have the mind of Christ, we have, I have the mind of Christ, so I'm okay, I have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, your life will be so different. Your heart will be different, your behavior will be different, you'll be walking in freedom and wholeness if you have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ doesn't come by praying and saying, you know, I have the mind of Christ and God give me the mind of Christ and the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. No. The mind, having the mind of Christ actually means the original. And what it means, the meaning of it is we have his, the access to his understanding, the understanding of Christ about all things. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ, is to have his understanding about everything. That's having the mind of Christ. Now, we have his understanding because we have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit. Now, we have to take it. It's there. We have it. It has been given to us. We have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit. That's the mind of Christ. Now, you have to choose it. To have the mind of Christ, it means you learn to think like the Bible says. You learn to see life like a scripture say, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You learn to renew your thoughts according to what the Bible says, that every thought that you entertain aligns with the scripture. Now you can prove it with a verse. You can prove it with the scripture. There's a verse in there that can prove it, that you, you, know, that you anchor that on the word of God. And on the prophecies of God, because they are the mind of Christ, and they release also the understanding of Christ about you, about life, about situations. Those two things give you the mind of Christ, the understanding of Christ about everything. The Bible, your prophecies. So, now, you want the mind of Christ? Start switching thinking. Replace one thought with another, you know? Why do I act like this? Because I feel like, why do I feel like this? Because I actually think this way. I believe that nobody loves me, so I push people away. Rejection. You know, because I am angry. Why am I angry? What thoughts are you entertaining? You want to know what the root of your problems is? Look at the thoughts behind your emotions and your actions. On your feelings. So, why am I? And so, get the mind of Christ. See, the mind of Christ and the understanding of Christ according to Scripture. And so, the Lord tells you that He's going to bless you and prosper you financially. You're going to have a business it will, that you will be a giver and you will pay debts for people and for yourself. Financial freedom will come and all those things. Can God do it? Of course. You know? And there you are. But then, if you have thoughts 
if you have the mind of the world, then you will think with fear, with failure, with rejection. Maybe it happened. Maybe you failed in something. Maybe things didn't work out for you experientially. Maybe you have lived through that. You saw your parents fail. And then you are, that arises because that's the understanding that you have. See, we have only two realms. There are two. The mind of Christ or the mind of an unbeliever. So, the mind of an unbeliever is according to the spirit of the world. The mind of Christ is scripture. So, the thoughts that will arise are, is it going to work? It's me. Things don't work out for me. I'll fail. I won't be able to do it. So, you, will, you don't go there. You don't follow it. You will never ever see that, prophecy, that promise come to pass in your life because of that. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That's what you do. Out of the heart, you make all decisions. So, because you carry those thoughts. But now you want the mind of Christ. What does the Bible say? I'm the head and not the tail. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Those are not just pretty words. They're real. They're powerful. They change everything as the mind of Christ. Change your understanding. So my understanding is now that I'm the head and not the tail. You don't have to feel it for it to be true. You just have to believe it for it to be true. So the Bible says, and I choose to believe. I have the mind of Christ. No, I am not going to agree with this because the Bible says. I'm not going to entertain that thought because the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. Uh, sorry, the Bible says that see, you take on the understanding of Scripture. That's the mind of Christ. Because the Bible says that I'm the head and not the tail. So I will stop thinking tail, thoughts of tail. I will start thinking thoughts of head. I'm the head and not the tail. That's then the mind of Christ. Change the understanding to the understanding of the Bible. And so that's what it means, taking your thoughts captive. Captive to the understanding of Christ. Captive to what the, what the Bible says, what your prophecies say. You see, perhaps you have dealt with rejection all your life, and then you get a prophecy or God says he's going to give you a husband or a wife. But you see, what understanding... Do you carry? That determines what well, you're going to have at the end. Which, you see which way you're going to go, even though you have the promise. And perhaps your understanding is the spirit of the world, the understanding of the unbeliever. Nobody loves me. Nobody has been rejected. I'm not good. I'm ugly. So that great blessing ends there. You will never, ever have it. Or you realize, okay, this is how I feel. This is how I'm reacting here. When I hear that, uh, I feel, you know, no, I'm wanted, rejected, abandoned, all those things. Then you want the mind of Christ. What is the understanding of Christ, what the Bible says? You know, and then you make, you choose to think that way. And you say, no. I'm not going to agree with that anymore because the Bible says 
that I am loved, that I am accepted, that I am a good thing. The Bible says that I am a blessing. You see, you now have the understanding of Christ about you because my prophecy said that God is going to give me a family, that God is going to give me a husband. That's your prophecy gives you the mind of Christ, the understanding of heaven about your life. Easy. No, I'm not going to agree with that because the Bible, because my prophecy said God is going to bless me and he's going to give me a husband or a wife. So, you see that you take that old thought captive to the mind of Christ. And the power now begins to move into your lives. The renewing of the mind. That's what's to have the mind of Christ. So we can do this. We can start making this transition daily, intentionally into the mind of Christ. And then we get a mind of a believer. Not stop having the mind of an unbeliever. And stop living like an unbeliever. See, we see that in uh, um, Matthew 6, 30, uh, 24 to 34, where Jesus is talking about uh, the cares of life. And do not worry about your food and your clothing, and Solomon dressed better than the flowers, uh, you know, than any flowers and everything. And do not worry about the birds, because about your food, because birds eat better than you, so don't worry. God will give you all those things. We know that scripture. I know, I'm paraphrasing it in a... I'm not a spiritual way, I'm just paraphrasing it, but you know, the scripture. So, but the important thing I want to make emphasis is in verse 31 and 32 right now. Because in there, Jesus said, you know, do not worry about those things. Because those thoughts dominate the mind of unbelievers. But you, and immediately he gives the mind of Christ, the understanding of a scripture. But you. You're different. You have a Father in heaven who knows all your needs and will take care of you. You know, that is the mind of Christ. Immediately, he gives us the mind of the unbeliever and the mind of the believer. The mind of a believer should be the mind of Christ. You can be a saved, redeemed child of God and live with the mind of an unbeliever. And if you live, that means you think according to the world, not according to scripture. Act according. Fill your heart with what fills the hearts of unbelievers, not the heart of a believer. There's for meditating God's word. Dwell, delight in it. Psalm 1 verse 1. And then you will be that mighty tree planted. Because it will fill your heart and you will be like that. So, now we acquire the mind of a believer. We have to be very intentional about these people because this, everything hinges on this above all things. Guard your heart. So the mind of the believer is very important. We can live it, we can have it. It's a choice. You have to do inventory, be vigilant about your attitudes, your behaviors, your thoughts, your actions. Why do I keep acting like this? Because in this area, I may still have the mind of an unbeliever. That's why I treat my wife like this or my husband like that. That's why I am like this at work, and that's why I'm not prospering, and that's why the devil is stealing from me. Easy. It can be fixed. Really, really fixed. We need 
have a choice. Believer or unbeliever is the mind. The mind of an unbeliever or the mind of the believer. So, this is very, very important. Because also, the scripture tells us, again, you have to guard your heart. If you guard your heart, you fix your tongue. And that is what the, the, the greatest problem that we have. You know, the tongue, James says, dear James, I love James. And James tells us, you know, the problem of the tongue, James 3, 2 to 12. And he said, you know, what we say, what we say, what we say, lashing out and cutting people up and this or that, life and death are in the tongue. And the destruction of the tongue, I mean, words, once you hear them, it's difficult to unhear them. You can never unhear them. And all those things, and it's that the tongue is fueled by hell. It's a powerful force. It's a fire of destruction. And he said, we can tame beasts and everything else, but who can tame the tongue? It's impossible. It is impossible. That's why you say, I'm never going to say this again. You keep saying it. I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to use foul language. You keep doing it. I'm not going to hurt people with my words, but you keep doing it. Because the tongue is connected to the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not out of the intentions of the mind. You know better, but you don't do better. It's not the knowledge, it's the heart. And then it says in James in there, that if a man can control his tongue... He can control his whole life. This is so powerful, so incredible powerful. You see, that is the greatest thing. When you can't control your tongue, you can control everything in your whole life. And that is impossible to do for us, but possible for the Holy Spirit. Renew your guard your heart. If you guard your heart, you'll control your tongue. Good things will come out of your tongue. You will stop criticizing people. You will stop gossiping. You will stop saying all kinds of terrible things because you have a clean heart. Renew your thoughts. And that's where the gate comes in. I want to leave you with this gate. There's a lot more. Like I said, this is about six hours I could t talk about this, and I love this when I teach on this extensively in the schools. But we need to have a gate in our minds to guard our hearts, be safe, run the race till the end, and receive everything God has. The breakthroughs. You see, to preach the gospel, to see salvations. One of the reasons why we are not preaching the gospel and people are going to hell every day and we are letting it happen, unfortunately. And there is no condemnation. We are all part of it. But it is a problem. People are going to hell every day. You know, it's because we don't have the mind of Christ. The understanding of Christ in our daily life, that is because we do not guard our hearts. And our hearts are filled with all kinds of other things. I mean, the things we entertain in our hearts. And 
pull us away, that's because lukewarmness is in our hearts. It's because the lukewarmness has come in and we lost the joy of our salvation. If you don't, if you keep the joy of your salvation, you want to tell everybody what Jesus has done for you. You see? So, it flows easily. You see, the priorities change. And we, we do it. We know he's going to come back. We know there will be a time when all this ends. But until then, we must keep doing the work of the kingdom. But the things, the trivial things, the offense, the trivial things that entertain our hearts are causing lukewarmness. So, it's because of the thoughts. See, no one can make you think about anything. The devil doesn't have the power to make you think about anything. You give it life. Like I said before, thoughts have no life of their own. You give it to them when you engage and entertain them. You give them life. And I have said a thousand times, that's the problem. That's what we have to guard. Be mindful of the thoughts. You don't need to entertain them. You don't need to entertain the negativity. Because then... Temptation comes. That's the gate to temptation. And if you are lukewarm, you will fail. You will fall into temptation. You will fail the test. The gate is very easy. We need to have it. We need to keep it. We need it has to be like this in front of us. Do not ever lose sight of this gate. The gate is simple. Philippians four eight. That is our gate. That is the gate of our mind. The gate of our thoughts. And this is the gate to our guarding our heart. That's the gate that guards our heart. Philippians 4, 8. And brethren, finally brethren, one more thing. Fix your thoughts in, anything, in what is beautiful, what is good, what is pure. Well, anything that is worthy of praise, anything kind, anything lovely, Fix your thoughts in that. That's a choice. Choose to think of that. Choose to think of that. See, if you have Philippians 4, 8, this will all come together. Make it a gate. You see, what is it? In other words, entertain thoughts that produce thankfulness. That produce thankfulness. Anything that you produces thankfulness in your heart and in your mind, think about it. It's a choice. You are the one who chooses your thoughts. Don't let your mind be wild. Steward it. Take charge for the sake of all of this. You see, it's difficult sometimes. Life is hard. A negative thought, you got bad news from work. Flood of thoughts, worries, fears that come into your mind. Put that gate. Yes, we have to process and deal with things and make decisions, but entertain the things that worthy of praise, that bring thankfulness. Put Philippians 4.8. Get the mind of Christ. 
I have a father who will provide for me. I'll be fine. It doesn't feel good right now, the news I just got, but God will not leave me. He will not abandon me. Entertain that in your mind. Think those thoughts. You see, put the gate. And all those thoughts of, oh, no, I'm going to lose my house. I'll lose everything. We'll have to live under a bridge. I won't be able to feed the children. And now they will have to take the children from me and all of that. Do they fit through the gate of Philippians 4.8? No. So kick them out. Kick them out. That doesn't fit Philippians 4.8. It doesn't fit the mind of Christ. What the understanding of Christ is, you have a father who knows your needs. I will take care of you. Any other thought that doesn't fit the mind of Christ is from the devil is the spirit of the world. It will bring you to lukewarmness and it will cost you everything. So, Guard your heart. Don't entertain it. Take the fear captive to the mind of Christ. Find Philippians 4, 8. You see, when my daughter ran away, and I told you last time, and God brought her back, but when she was away for three and a half years away from me, and is completely uncommunicated, and... Uh, and she has a level of a special needs that made things very bad. And some people were abusing her and all of that. And I, I tried everything to restore. She wouldn't respond. So I had to find peace. Because otherwise, I knew. I mean, if I open that gate, it's going to be torment. Fears, worries, horror, no sleep, and agony. And suffering and all of that. And so I just made the decision and I prayed and said, Lord, I have done what I can, but you love her more than I do. You will never leave her nor forsake her. I cannot watch over her, but you can. And I know you will, and I know you love her. And so I leave her in your hands. I will trust you because by one of your attributes is redeemer you are a redeemer and you are a restorer that's part of your attribute you are a restorer therefore you cannot not restore if people want it if people are willing you cannot not do it you will do it no matter what that is nature that is attribute because you are a restorer see you can go and say why would god allow this to happen we have free will my daughter made a free will choice you see, it doesn't mean that, you know, God respects free will, bless him. And so, we, you can go into that, you know, why did he allow this to happen? Why did, why this? And I prayed, and he didn't answer. No, she made a free choice, free will choice. So, but, God is a restorer. He cannot not be a restorer. He is a restorer. Nature doesn't change. Attributes are unchangeable. He cannot change. That can never change. So, you are a restorer. I said to him, because of that, I will trust you. And every time thoughts of fear try to come, or somebody will give me some concerning um, news about my daughter, and I couldn't do anything, 
I just put that gate, and when they thought to try to come, oh, now what was going to happen? What if this or that? They don't fit through my gate because my God is a restorer. He is a redeemer. He will turn into good everything and everything the enemy intends for evil. She will be fine, and I will be fine at the end of this. You see, and God did. He brought her back, and he did amazing things and restored and redeemed everything without my help, which amazed me. You know, but he did it. But the most amazing thing, I went through those three and a half years with peace, with joy, with happiness. I, didn't, I thought about her every day. I prayed for her, but I did not lose sleep because of it. You see, because I had a gate. So, put the gate, you know, of Philippians 4, 8. What are you going to think about? Fill your heart with that, your actions. You see, and I, I have so many stories about this, but one of my favorite stories is a time when a woman, when I was a pastor, and a woman came to see me in the church, and she was one of the most blessed little heart, negative people I have ever met in my life. And she was always dumping negativity, and oh, you just feel like, oh. And so she was like that. And so constantly, constantly she would do it. And it came to a point where our whole pastoral team will see her coming into the church building, and they would close the door, lock their doors. All offices were, were locked, but my office had a glass door. <laughs> so I was always stuck. I couldn't run away. And so... Anyway, one of those days she just came and she just dumped in all this negativity and all this slime and everything. And it was like, ah. Oh. And let me tell you, I was at a point about, I was so close to losing Jesus for five minutes, you know, like I'm thinking. It was really bad and I wanted to, my soul was all worked up and all of that. And I kept thinking, I need to find right now my gate because all the thoughts that were flooding through me would probably cause me to kick her out of the church if I acted on them. If, they, if I entertained them, my action would not be godly. I knew that. And so I thought, I need that gate right now. I need to find it so badly. I knew it's Philippians 4, 8. And I'm sitting there thinking, dear Jesus, I cannot find anything nice about her to think about. In anything is beautiful, worth your praise, is lovely, anything, think of that. And I'm thinking there is nothing good in that. I cannot find it. I cannot apply Philippians 4 8 to this situation or to this dear woman. I didn't say dear woman, I'm saying that now. You know, to that woman, I can't, I can't put Philippians 4 8 gate here. I called somebody in my team and I said, please, please come and help me. And I am in trouble. And she walked into my office and said, oh. She just walked out, right? And uh, I didn't need to answer. She knew. She said, I saw her come in. I locked my door. And so we knew. And she sat there and I said, I, I need you to help me. I need to find Philippians 4 8 really quickly right now before this turns ugly. My heart is going to get really twisted if I don't put that gate because what you think fills the heart and then the emotion, then the action, and then we go. So I need you to do this. Help me. She sat there for a few minutes, perplexed, and said, can't find a thing. I said, I don't know. I cannot help you. And we thought, there has to be something. Like, come on. There has to be something. We were desperate. And then she got it. And bless her. She said to me, 
I know, I know, I know. She wears pretty shoes and you like shoes. Think about her pretty shoes. <laughs> Fix your thoughts on what is nice and lovely, pretty shoes. That's the only thing we had. I went, I took the pretty shoes and I began to put a gate and every time I felt the most negative emotion, the negative thoughts towards her behavior and what she, uh, about all these critical negative thoughts, I would say, no, I'm not going to think about it. Father, I thank you that she wears pretty shoes. I thank you that she has, and I fill my mind with thoughts of pretty shoes. Thank you for her because of her pretty shoes. I like to see her shoes there. They're nice shoes. And I fixed my eyes and my thoughts and the only thing, the fit, got through the gate. It was only the shoes, got through the gate. But you know that the power of the word of God began to change. That began to work, you see. And suddenly, my attitude, see, let the spirit of God renew your thought and your attitude. My attitude towards her began to change because of that. And all of a sudden, she wasn't, the annoying thoughts began to disappear. And then I noticed that she also, you know, wore a pretty lipstick. Wow, two things to be happy about, to be thankful for about that lady. You see? Pretty shoes, nice lipstick. You know, and I started that way. I wish I could tell you I was more spiritual than that. We ended up becoming wonderful friends. I had a great relationship for the years I was a pastor after that. And I remember her with fondness, fondness and love. She was actually a lovely lady with a great sense of humor. You see? And it was just Philippians 4.8. It was the gate. A marriage can be saved that way. You see? Because once I began to think about her pretty shoes, I stopped complaining about her. Because somehow I thought inside, somebody who wears pretty shoes must be a nice person. <laughs> I know it sounds superficial, but it worked. In a time of desperation, please stand with me. I promise you, see, that gave me access to the, to the new nature of Christ towards her, I began to wear it. Love and kindness began, came out, I changed the wardrobe, the old nature, for the new creation, to wear it, to live it, to become like Jesus. At the end, she said one day, you have shown Jesus to me, imagine. I thought she only knew how this began. Wow. But you see, that's the power of the Word of God. But see, this will guarantee that you make it to the end. With endurance, with a welcome home. You will never hear the words I'll spit you out of my mouth. Above all things, God, you are. So, Father, right now, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for you are faithful, you are good, you are kind, and you have made provision for all our foolishness and nonsense, our wickedness as well. You counted it all. 
and you came to set captives free. So this afternoon, we went together, we went to repent. We went to humble ourselves before you, Father, for all of us have fallen short in this area. All of us, Father. And there is so much heaviness in many hearts and minds, worries, fears, concerns, because we, by failing on this, in this very important point, we have allowed the devourer to steal, kill, and destroy. We have allowed the stress to come. We have allowed destruction. We have opened many gates to the devourer. And yet we complain, why are you not helping us? But you have shown us the way in the scripture. So today, fathers, we repent. We cannot excuse our behaviors and our ways. But it's not about excusing. We don't excuse that. It's about repenting and resetting. We can reset. So in the name of Jesus right now, we reset our priorities. We reset the stewardship of our lives. And we choose to guard our hearts above all things. To renew our minds daily, that means constantly. Sometimes every two minutes. Until habits are broken. All nature, until it falls away. The old nature will die. And we will see that new creation come into our soul. So in Jesus' name right now, I just break off the bondage of the spirit of the world. I take authority right now in every area where there has been a prison. In every area where there has been torments. In every area of destruction. I speak right now to any area where you are being tormented by thoughts, by fears, by feelings, by the things that consume the mind of unbelievers in the name of Jesus. I break it off right now for your children of God and through repentance and the forgiveness of the cross. Everything is, starts new right now. So therefore, you don't owe anything anymore. Jesus paid for it. I speak to the love sowing and reaping, and I tell you to stop right now. For they ha as we have repented, and we are resetting, there is absolutely no more torment, no more price to pay. The love sowing and reaping has to end in the name of Jesus, and I speak freedom into your lives right now, complete freedom, that you will walk in that freedom of the cross, that you will be who God created you to be, and uh, to, that you will walk into that new nature, but more than anything, the freedom that Jesus paid for, fullness of freedom to come into you right now of every oppression, every area of bondage or addiction, behavioral, physical, emotional or spiritual right now. And I called you forth to be who God created you to be 
in Jesus' name. For you have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but power and might and self-control. It is within you. There is no condemnation. So do not let that creep in. You are good, for you are a child of God. This is not about regrets and what ifs and that. It's about moving on. There's no condemnation. There's freedom. We're train, trading condemnation for freedom. God is not looking for perfection, but freedom. So in Jesus' name right now, I just bless you to have the courage to arise and change your wardrobe. That you will choose all the beauty that our Father has provided through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will empower you to walk into the fullness of freedom. I break up all curses. For many of us deal with generational curses. The sins of others against us. The sins of others, and yes, we have sinned against others. It works both ways. No one can throw the first stone. But the sins of others against us, in Jesus' name, and the fruit of it, the consequences of the unkindness of others, the sins of others, the lies. I want to speak about the lies right now that shape our minds, the lies that have been spoken to you about you, about God, about all those circumstances, all those lies that have become, you know, part of your behavior. So in Jesus' name, I break the authority of those lies. By the power of the cross and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. For you are called to freedom. And freedom is ours because of Jesus. So I bless you right now that you will be able to renew your mind. For God is good. He is good. He is nice. He is really nice. He is good and kind. So I bless you in the name of Jesus right now to be the person God created you to be. In Jesus' name. And by this I'm not saying there is something wrong with you, but every one of us can do better in some areas. And that the Holy Spirit will empower us for that. This is not, again, no condemnation, no criticism. It's just our lives, we know. And what I want to encourage you is in this. And I bless you to overcome the evil one. That you will arise and finish your race with endurance and receive every promise God has given to you. And you will receive the inheritance that belongs to you in Jesus' name right now. For victory and breakthrough. And all the heavy yokes that you carry of religious minds and striving and performance will fall away today in the name of Jesus. You can check them off. Remember, when you have a strong gate, a strong foundation, the truth of God and the words of God, 
I just heard a trumpet. So I release that impartation right now into this house and then to every one of you, for there is a great impartation being released from heaven into this house right now. And I saw gates of iron that the Lord is placing that are not going to be removed and cannot be taken away. For the Lord is safeguarding you, safeguarding this house. And everyone that comes in here as well will be safe, protected. So I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you will sit for a few minutes.